out to Gary on a Total Request Tuesday. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Songs about money. Or I guess Austin picked a song by Eddie Money, so that uh, that makes some sense. Uh, we talked a lot about college football finances during the 2 o'clock hour. So if you want to request your favorite money-related song, you can tweet at us at Jake Scott Zone at Austin Horton as well. We're going to talk to Bruce Feldman coming up here momentarily. We'll talk to him about uh, college football. In fact, let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. He makes the magic happen for Fox Sports as well as The Athletic. He's Bruce Feldman with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Bruce. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to be on with you. Hey, thank you very much for making the time. We really appreciate it. Uh, jumping right in with, with college football, we've seen the Pac-12 and the Big Ten eliminate non-conference. The SEC, ACC, and, and Big 12 have yet to follow suit. This is a big story, Bruce, as you know, because BYU lost five of its games already. How do you see this playing out, or do we just have no clue? Uh, I think it's a lot of TBD right now, to be perfectly honest. Um you know, we've seen some schools where the cases aren't that high, and then we've seen a handful of others where they had to hit push pause uh, because they've had a significant amount of cases. And I think the, the kind of a key thing to remember is schools, even though while players are back, they're only basically working out in small groups and practicing social distancing. As long as they're doing football stuff, they'll begin to ramp up on Friday. Uh, but even that is just walkthroughs, and it won't be till really the first week of August before they do actual more football stuff. And I think it's going to be key to see what happens. You know, do we see spreads and outbreaks? I mean, obviously, you know, if there are more students on campus, we've seen the numbers of the cases going up. I think it's a, there's a lot of ADs I've talked to and a bunch of coaches who are very concerned about that, not just that we'll be able to have a season, but at some point – how will it uh, how how will it unfold in terms of will there be lags or anything like that? And you just have a lot of different factions in terms of there's no unifying voice in college football, and so I think people are all over the map on how they're approaching it, especially literally all over the map because it's affecting different parts of the country in different ways at different times. So, and, and this is probably an impossible question to answer as well, but what is the bigger hurdle right now, Bruce? Is it the uh, COVID-19 situation in the country with cases rising, or is it the logistics of a uniform approach like you're talking about? It's a good question. I think it's, I honestly think it's both, because I think you just have some leagues are saying, okay, this is how we're going to handle it. We want to be flexible. We want to do things uh, to make sure we can react to it if need be. And then I think you've had, uh, you've seen, whether it's Gene Smith, who's arguably the most powerful AD in the country from Ohio State. Uh, you've seen the guy who now runs the Big Ten, Commissioner Kevin Warren. And you've heard from even Greg Sankey at times where there's been a lot of frustration in how people have handled the pandemic. And I think that's something that they've kind of called out where you see, I've heard privately some ADs talk about a lot of people aren't taking this seriously enough. And I think you heard Gene Smith for one and Kevin Warren for another. They really put their names on it. And it wasn't like, you know, speaking on background. And I think you've seen some of that frustration with Sankey. And I think that speaks to kind of some of the issues that they're trying to sort out right now. 
Earlier in the show, Bruce uh, and Austin and I are, are certainly f- the furthest things from accountants that, that you can get. But we tried to go over some specifics as far as what's on the line financially. And based on the, the ADs and the folks in the in the college football world, you talk about where or talk to, excuse me, where is the desperation factor? I mean, just how uh, what well, I guess how catastrophic is the the doomsday scenario of no football? Yeah, I think it depends on which which university you're looking at. Is it for you know the Mac Mid American Conference programs who lost big paydays when the Big Ten decided to to say only conference games, and how that's impactful, or is it talking about tens of millions of dollars if a season doesn't happen at any point for the Power Five uh, in the academic year, and how impactful that is for the rest of their universities. In addition, really, just to their to the rest of their athletic programs and their departments. I mean, I think that is huge for them. And so, there's not an easy answer to this because we don't know: will there be 20% capacity in the crowd? Will there be no fans there? Will there be 50%? Uh, we don't know in terms of how many games they're going to play. If they're going to be able to have a full season, it costs a lot of money to test players for extensive lengths of time. And so I think there's just all sorts of variables that are in this um, that right now I'm not sure. I think it really depends on who you ask and what part of the spreadsheet they're looking at. Bruce Feldman with us here on, on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bruce, uh, Gordon has the day off today, but he wrote a column uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about Larry Scott, and the, the, the conference has to make a decision on his future because they're going to start negotiating media rights deals. And I feel like this, and this is a little editorializing for me, but this, this COVID situation has put his decisions under a magnifying glass. Talk, talk about Larry, the job he's done, and his future as you see it. I think, you know, there's been some bad optics for a while uh, with him in terms of you know, the Pac-12 network, which I think is a solid product, but it's been hard for them to get the distribution on the West Coast. In Los Angeles, the biggest media market, It's it's been a battle that they've been waging for, it seems like, for a decade. And that's forefront. And then you see some other issues that have been pointed out in stories that have been published in the last year and a half, just that seem like they're tone deaf in the face of a lot of other things. I think one of the challenges that the Pac-12 has had, and this, these are all like issues that predate the COVID pandemic, yeah. but I think they're issues that are, are sizable ones where it's just like, as it relates to college athletics, it's keep the main thing the main thing. And I think sometimes the Pac-12 seems to, seems to seem to get caught up in trying to be innovative rather than just serving serving their constituents as it were and i think so that that's the part that's been that's been challenging look i think the pac-12 being the pac-12 ad because of the makeup of the president to some degree i also think because you do not have the same depth of passion for college football which drives most of the money as you do in the sec and the big 10 i mean there are not to say that there aren't some diehard fans but the level of them who who are going to come out rain or shine, whether your team is good or not so good, they're going to tune in for that. That's just not there. So, I mean, it's a different kind of job than it is if you are the Big Ten commissioner or the Big 12 commissioner or the ACC or the SEC commissioner. 
Uh, want to see where you're at on on transfers, Bruce? Of course, the grad transfer. They're batting about the idea of of giving student athletes one free transfer in football and basketball. And here locally, we've actually had a scenario play itself out where Devonte Henry Cole, a running back, transferred from Utah to BYU just a couple of months ago, and then this week we find out he's transferring from BYU to Utah State, not even playing a game for the Cougars. Where are you at when it comes to football players and their ability to transfer, and what should be? Well, I think it depends on the scenario, right? I mean, if the player is a grad transfer, they, I think everybody would argue they've earned the right to go where they want to go without penalty. If you're talking about right now, you know, a lot of people think a one-time transfer exemption where you can transfer without penalty makes a lot of sense. But the challenge with it is there needs to be some kind of offset legislation to factor into it, meaning there's a lot of guys who are going to be in the transfer portal that will not have any places to land for scholarships because it's not a matter of do we have space under the 85-man cap, it's do we have scholarships left over for the 25-man uh, initial limit that you get each year. And I think sometimes a lot of you know a lot of times you'll see something on Twitter where so-and-so is in the portal or is transferring, and I think people react to it, and I'm not sure a lot of times you know the, some of the stuff behind it. So I think there should be flexibility for it. I mean – these are not employees if there's scholarship space for them. I think that's that's the key to it. Um, I'm not going to say I know, you know, like what's gone on right now is with the pandemic, and there's been we're in such uncharted waters here. I think it's really hard to get a read on the, the, the thought process of how somebody has to say, hey, I'm going to transfer, I'm going to transfer again, just because this we've never had anything like this in in college athletics where there's been a shutdown and a lockdown and everything's going on Zoom, and I just think there's been minimal interaction with coaches and players that it's, it's hard to, uh, you know, I think it's hard to find fault with somebody making a decision saying, you know what, I'm not going to go there after all, because I just, just don't know what people are dealing with right now. I mean, this is, we've, I've written a bunch of stories in The Athletic in the last couple of weeks, and one of the things that I've heard from coaches and some ADs is, we're not talking enough about the mental health aspect of this, where if players are not around, this isn't just college football players, the student-athletes in general, uh, there's a lack of structure that some of them, you know, really don't get and because they're, they're, you know, missing it more than maybe others are because of all sorts of variables. And I think that's something that we probably don't talk, talk about enough. Bruce, want to thank you for coming on, and we love your work at The Athletic, and we'll, we'll continue to follow it, but I sincerely hope that I get to watch you doing games sometime soon on Fox Sports. That would be great, wouldn't it? I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll have a season and everybody will be well. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping for it just like you are as well. Thanks, Bruce. We appreciate you. For having me. That's Bruce Feldman. Uh, he covers college football, of course, for The Athletic, and as we said, uh, works for Fox Sports FS1. He's done a bunch of uh, Ute games uh, in the past couple of years, and he's he's great. I I love the idea, and we've seen this uh, we've seen this with a, a few people. Who am I thinking of? Uh, Todd McShay for is an example for ESPN. But I love having a a, a, a reporter reporter doing sidelines. And no offense to to other TV sideline people out there, but Bruce has been. You know, I mean, breaking college football stories for decades, and I kind of like that concept of that being part of the broadcast. The fact that he has an investigative journalistic reporting and writing background? And total familiarity with 
college football uh, coaches and players. I like it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see maybe more uh, journalists like that doing doing sidelines. Although when I say that, I feel like I'm putting down other sideline reporters, and and that's not the case because there are some great sideline reporters out there. But I do like somebody like Bruce, who's certainly made his bones in the college football world doing sideline reporting. He does a really, really good job with it. I can see why he does it. What's that look for, Austin? Uh, uh, Getting a weird look from Austin in there. Did I just dig myself a hole? You're backpedaling faster than uh, a a defensive secondary. Well, there are some good sideline reporters out there. I don't want to sound like I'm putting them down. And there's a lot of crappy ones, too. There are some not-so-good sideline reporters out there? I'm among the crappy ones. Bruce is among the top tiers. Uh, Petros Papadakis was one of my favorite uh, sideline reporters, but now he does he does color. Yeah, but when he was with Bowler, I think he was doing sidelines. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, I believe Bowler. By the way, I think Brady Quinn was in the booth with Bowler. If I'm not, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll that. ask Bowler about that. Yeah. Uh, he's going to join the show for the entire five o'clock hour. In fact, that's coming up in less than fifteen minutes. We have a not sports report next. Stay tuned for that.